Welcome to the Teacher Entrepreneur Podcast, where you'll hear from teachers who are successful entrepreneurs and learn tips and techniques to help you escape the classroom. Now here's your host, teacher, author, and entrepreneur, Christine Draper. Today we welcome onto the show Rosie Elliott. Rosie was a head teacher of primary school for many years. Today she's an image consultant and personal stylist, as well as a confidence coach. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Thank you. Rosie, can you tell us about your career in education prior to launching your business? Um, thank you, Christine, and thank you very, very much for inviting me um, onto your um, your show. Um, I think, Christine, as probably many of your listeners will um, relate to, I think I was teaching before I was the age of four. <laughs> Allegedly, my mum said that I used to line up all my dollies and teach them. Uh, but in reality, um, I came from a, uh, my dad was a doctor and my grandfather was a doctor and really they wanted me to be a doctor. All I ever wanted to do was teach. So way back when, so I um, finished at school in believe it or not, 1968. And if you wanted to teach in the primary sector up here in Scotland, you could do a three-year diploma. And that's what I did. So I was out teaching before I was 21, which was incredible. At my first class, I had 36 primary twos. So 36 um, six-year-olds uh, um, up here and it was it was quite amusing because they all came in at once there was no staggered intake they all just came into the classroom the first day back and I remember thinking after two weeks I knew all their their um, Christian names but I didn't have a clue what their second names were because I'd only got them there were so many of them um, so I loved that and um, it was in an infant school so we only had the four-year-olds, the five-year-olds, and the six-year-olds, and I just loved it. I loved, you know, the fact that they're like little sponges at that age. They just want to learn to read. They want to learn to count. And um, our curriculum was very wide and very varied. You know, they learnt what the names of the rivers were, the birds in the garden, the trees, the flowers, whatever. Um, so it was an all-embracing and it, it was based around play as well. Um, and then back in the day, I ended up, I got married and ended up um, pregnant with my first child. And in those days, we had to resign our posts. There was no maternity leave. There was no, you know, coming back, you know, after a year, whatever. So that was fine. So I had my children. And the next time I went into teaching, uh, believe it or not, uh, my ex-husband um, was with um, Shell and our first overseas posting was in New Zealand. So I was down in New Zealand and um, in New Plymouth and I ended up teaching in kindergarten. So again, the preschoolers. And I loved that as well. My children were with me at that point in time. The next time I went into teaching was in Saudi Arabia. And there is a funny story to tell about that because I had done my specialism in what we call early years up here. So the five to, well, the four to eight year olds. And I went for this interview. We had a, um, a British Dutch stream in the international school in Jubail in Saudi Arabia. And there was a post became vacant and I went and spoke to the head teacher and um, he said, yes, we would really like to um, have you on board the staff, Rosie. And I said, so what age group is it? And he said, oh, it's junior four. 
And I thought, that's fine. You know, I did primary primary one to primary four. I'll be fine. So he said, would you like to come and um, meet the class? I said, yeah, I would love that. Thank you very much indeed. So we walked around the school, walked into the classroom. They were my height. <laughs> they were the 12-year-olds. And I thought... Oops. So that was uh, that was lovely. But that was a whole that was a wonderful experience for me as well. They were just they too were they were only allowed to stay in Saudi Arabia until the end of what we would call our primary seven year, your junior junior four year. And then they had to go back to the UK. So that was something else. And then um, I uh, ended up back in the UK um, after my divorce and came back into teaching and loved it. I then went up through, as we used to do, went up through the kind of stages. Um, I'd been back teaching for a couple of years and I became a senior teacher. And then I went on and I did another postgraduate uh, course in um, early stages. And uh, so I applied for an assistant heads post out at Bankery Primary School. And that was a massive school. So I had four primary ones, four primary twos and the nursery that I had to look after. And my teaching commitment was in nursery. So again, I was just surrounded by these little sponges. I have the most brilliant photograph of me in the bed in the house corner with two of my little girls reading me a bedtime story. And it's that lovely, lovely, you know, they just engage with you and just fantastic. Anyway, so um, from there, I then went on and became um, a head teacher um, in a school that had about 350 pupils uh, with a nursery. And then I came back to Bankery Primary School as head teacher. Um, at that point in time, we had 750 children in the school, but they had built a new school within Bankery. So we were going to split the two schools. Um, one of the other bits in, uh, in my career was that I was invited out into a secondment and I would say to any of your teachers listening, if you get that opportunity, go. Because you see the complete other side of education. So I was out with Aberdeenshire Council, um, who were looking at what parents wanted for their three-year-old children as we were expanding um, nursery education. And I hadn't realized, I don't think, quite how political education is. And so that gave me a real insight as to why when you become a promoted member of staff, just because you think something is good for your school, you maybe won't get your own way because the council maybe thinks slightly differently. And to do with the funding and the way everything is allocated, it was a real awakening. And interestingly enough, I know you're going to ask me later about the skills that you have when you're in teaching to taking them on into, um, into business. And that was a real learning curve for me um, about the financial side um, as well as the staffing side and whatever. Um, yeah, so I suppose I then, um, when I was out in, on one of those secondments, I went on and uh, I got the opportunity to do um, a master's degree. And uh, I just loved that as well. I think one of the lasting things about being in the teaching profession is this, you're a lifelong learner. And I always say that the day you wake up in the morning and you don't think you've got anything left to learn is the day that you should quit teaching. So, yeah, so so that's me in a nutshell. 
So how long were you her teacher for? Oh, gosh. So all in all, it was probably ten, about 18 18 years, and then I had I had another couple of years as an acting head at one point in time. So 20-odd years, yeah. Wow. So I, I know that you haven't quit for that reason because you are still learning and you're still growing, and that's just amazing and a wonderful tribute to you. Today you're an entrepreneur with a business helping women and men to improve their image and have confidence. One thing I love about this is that you are demonstrating to teachers that when they move into entrepreneurship, it doesn't have to be educational related. The teachers can move into any area that they choose to. I knew a geography teacher who left to make his painting business full time, and I know a history teacher who has a music studio. Did your career in education provide you with any skills that you were then able to apply to your business? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that um, when you're a class teacher, those skills that you have we all, I think they're unique. I think you have the planning element because if you're not well planned, you know that your children are going to get the better of you that day. Um, and you'll get caught on the back foot and um, sometimes it's not a terribly pleasant experience. Um, we also, we work hard. You know, we're on our feet all day. Um, never mind the curriculum skills. What I feel is that, what we have through our training to be teachers, but also we hone as we are teachers, no matter what um, department we're in or which sector we're in. So we've got language, we've got maths, we've got ICT, we've got technology, we've got our interpersonal skills, and above all, we've got creativity. We bring all of that into the learning environment, the learning and teaching environment that we work in on a daily basis. So apart from the passion for learning and that curiosity about people, I think some of the personal skills that um, we learn about is to be approachable. I know that some I know that some children think that we're a bit scary, you know, as teachers. And as, as head teacher, I often was almost invited into the, ro the role of being, you know, the person that wags her finger at you and says, excuse me, your behavior is bad. And I used not, to, I didn't do that. When children were sent to me as a, um, as a head teacher for whatever misdemeanor, I would say, so tell me about what's going on here. And in that yeah. way, they would open up and they would engage with me. So you have to be approachable for your parents you have to be seen to be capable, competent, trustworthy, patient, resilient, and above all, you have to have a sense of humor. You have to be able to laugh at yourself because, oh my goodness gracious me, when you walk into your school as a teacher, a promoted member of staff, a head teacher, you never know what the day is going to throw up. Um, for you and so you just have to be ready and that flexibility um, of approach to people and situations um, yeah so we have these massive massive amount of skills that are transferable into whatever we want to do. Thank you very much so can you briefly expand what you are doing with those skills now? 
Yeah, absolutely. Many people. So when I first, so um, House of Colour um, is uh, a franchise and um, I had been a client of House of Colour. I've always loved colour. I've always loved um, uh, style. My mum and I used to shop for Scotland. Um, we were great buddies um, on the shopping front. And um, so when the franchise came up uh, and my predecessor was going to retire, I was still head teacher at Bankery Primary School. And I noted an interest thinking, oh, she won't be ready to go for a while. And that was fine. Anyway, the time came that I decided that perhaps it was time to move on to Pastures New from being a headship. So I bought the franchise and people would say, but do you not miss teaching, Rosie? And I know, Christine, you said there is life after teaching. But my answer to that is I'm still teaching. I'm not actually teaching, teaching. I'm being a facilitator of learning. And no matter what business you go into, you're still going to have your clients learn from you. And that, I think, is why we have those transferable skills. So what I do at the moment um, is I actually facilitate the learning around which colors suit you best and which style suits you best. So as far as your color is concerned, it's to do with the fat layer under your skin. And my clients say, you're not calling us fat, are you, Rosie? And I go, no, I'm not calling you fat. I'm saying we've all got a fat layer under our skin. And sometimes it's yellow-based and sometimes it's blue-based. So we take that into account. We take hair color into account, your eyes and your skin tone. And we find out what your best colors are. And we give you a season, either blue-based, yellow-based, clear and bright, or soft and muted. And then we give you your palette and we show you and demonstrate how to use that so that you stop buying the wrong color and everything in your wardrobe, in actual fact, will blend and coordinate together. So we say we save you time and money. We save you time because when you, you know that feeling when you go to get dressed to go to school in the morning, you open your wardrobe and you think it's packed full and I've got nothing to wear. Well, we put an end to that. So we save you time and because everything coordinates and we save you money because you stop buying the wrong things. The style bit is to do with your body geometrics. And that is, are you very straight in your body geometrics or are you more rounded? And we also look at Jungian theory about uh, how how high are your yin score? How yin are you? Are you ruled by your heart? Or how yang are you? Are you ruled by your head? And there will always be a mixture of the two. And we take all of that lovely information together and we give you what we call a clothing personality. So I am a little gamine person. I am a naughty little Peter Pan, which probably is why I got on so well in nursery when I was teaching uh, because of that sense of fun and whatever. And um, again, we, we show you the best way to clothe that personality so that not only do you feel good and look good on the outside, but you feel absolutely brilliant on the inside. You just walk in. I've got clients that walk out of here absolutely um, in seventh heaven because they know that it's now going to be, they're going to be happy in what they're dressed in and they're going to begin to get compliments. That's an interesting thing, Christine, because I think as women, we're notoriously bad at accepting compliments. We'll go, oh, I've had this thing for years. Oh, my goodness. You know, I bought it from a charity shop. Do you know this? It doesn't matter. What matters is that if somebody says you look fantastic, 
fantastic in that fuchsia pink jumper, Rosie. All you need to say is thank you. Because what mm. they've done in giving you compliments is in actual fact has given you a gift. And what do we say when we receive a gift? Thank you. Absolutely. I really like how your products are free from parabens, petrochemicals, alcohol and perfume. How important is it to you that your business is inclusive and environmentally friendly? Oh, absolutely. I think the way that we're going, um, my grandchildren are all, my husband and I have actually um, 10 grandchildren between us. And uh, my eldest grandchild um, is 10. And he is becoming so aware of what we're doing to our world, what we're doing to our environment at the moment. And I think that we maybe can't do a lot at my age. I maybe can't do an awful lot to change it what we're doing and the way that we are spoiling our world but what I can do and what our company does what House of Colour does is that's the step we've taken so we make our own well we have our own product line with our makeup um, and we also begin to one of the things that we do when we're doing our style class is we actually show you how to create a capsule wardrobe so at the moment, we will probably wear 20% of our clothes 80% of the time. What a waste. What a waste. We buy things, we wear it once, and sometimes we cast it off. What we are doing with our clients is we are saying that basically if you spend on quality, that quality should last you for between five to seven years. And every time you wear that article of clothing, the cost of it comes down for you. I actually speak about my car as well. Um, I have a bright red Audi TT and um, I just love it with a passion. I spent quite a lot of money on it. However, it is now 14 years old and it has only done 73,000 miles. So the cost of that car has dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. And that's what we're encouraging our clients to do is think about, you know, you, you may think that you're getting rid of an article of clothing that you don't um, uh, wear anymore. You take it to the charity shop. If the charity shop can't sell it, it still ends up being either shipped, although I gather they've stopped taking it, to um, the likes of China and whatever. And it will end up in landfill. We don't think about that. We don't think about this sustainability bit. So, yeah, that's we're on a drive at the moment to try and encourage our clients to think very, very carefully about what they buy. And they buy for value, but they also buy that they know that they will wear it for a number of years. And because they know it's the right color and because they know it's the right style, it will actually last that length of time. I think you can make a difference in the environment at any age, Rosie. And I think by your promotion and by your education, you are continuing to do so. And I think those of us who are still in education are doing a lot these days on the environment and the effects and what we can do about it. So, yes, you are still making a huge impact. Thank you. That reduce that. So, Rosie, what would you say to any listeners who are either thinking about starting a business or in the early stages of their business? Well, for those that are thinking about it, go for it. Um, absolutely go for it. Those that are start, but when you're going for it, have a clear idea about what you want to do. 
Um, I have learned so much in running my business. I mean, as a head teacher, I do make my clients laugh. Um, you, I had no idea about the financial side of business, about the marketing side of business, about um, lots of the elements that you do need that, that we've gathered um, through our teaching. Because as a head teacher, if I had a blocked loo, my janitor would go and fix it. If there was snow in the playground, the janitors would go and clear it. Um, if something happened financially wise, I had a school administrator that did the books that kept me on the straight and narrow from not overspending my budgets. Um, if there was, you know, somebody came or, or there was a phone call, I had a clerical assistant that answered the phones and only put phones through to me, um, you know, if, if they felt that I needed to speak to somebody. I then suddenly realized I'm a great strategic thinker. And one of the things that um, I loved about being a head teacher, I could have all these wonderful ideas. And I also had two deputy head teachers and they would say, yeah, Rosie, that's a fantastic idea. And I went, right, go, go and make them happen <laughs> in business. You're the one. So you have all these wonderful ideas jot them down. I sleep with a, um, a little voice recorder beside my bed now, because you know when you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, wow, that's a brilliant idea. And then you wake up in the morning and you go, what was that idea again? So it's, it's also about bring that passion. Whatever you do, you have to love it because believe you me, you are not going to get teacher's holidays. I know that irritates us all as teachers, you know, when we're told, well, you're all right, you know, you've got 10 weeks holiday. You ain't going to get that when you're in business on your own. But have that passion, have that love, have that commitment. Get a team around you, whether it's family or friends that will support you. Don't be afraid to ask for help, be it in your marketing, be it in your finances, wherever, be it in design, be it in somebody, you know, you're, um, get a photographer to come in and do your branding with you. Get those people that are going to make you stand out from the crowd around you and be prepared for a lot of hard work. But also be prepared for the joy and for when your clients walk away from you or they have that light bulb moment, it is joy. So be prepared for that. Be prepared for tears as well of frustration. Um, but overall, just just go for it. Thank you very much. That's wise words. Rosie, I know you're a fellow dog owner. It can be difficult when running a business to prioritise time for other things. This can be especially difficult for teachers with their businesses to side hustle. Do you have any advice on maintaining a healthy work-life balance? Um, yes, Christine, I do. And um, one of the things that I've just been mentioning is to get that team around you. So uh, I am really, really fortunate in the fact that my um, my husband is retired from oil. And if I have got an early networking meeting or I have got clients that are coming um, early to my studio, he will actually go and walk the dogs. He feeds me. He does the shopping. Uh, when I have style clients here, when we're allowed people in our studios, um, he will make soup and soda bread and, and he comes in and clears all the dirty cups away and whatever. Get that support system around you and don't feel guilty about it. I think the other important thing is, is I do love it when I do go out with my dogs because you'll get a lot of your creativity going then because you're out in the fresh air, you are on your own, you've nothing to distract you, 
please don't take your mobile phones with you when you go out and walk your dogs. Leave them at home so you get that clarity of thinking. And also, I've started to go to the gym. Um, I fell over walking the dogs um, a couple of years ago and broke my right wrist. And um, I it cut a very, very long story short. My younger son said, now, mum, at your age, and um, yeah, I'll tell you all, I am 70. I've just had my 70th birthday. And my youngest son said, you know, mum, this is silly. You're going to have to increase your skeletal strength. And so I've started weightlifting and going to the gym. And in actual fact, I achieved a real milestone a couple of weeks ago that I deadlifted 55 kilos, which is my, oh, well own, which is my own weight. And I just love it, that sense of achievement. And it can counteract some of the frustrations that you get with running your own business. You know, the calls that aren't answered, the emails that aren't answered. You open up your um, your uh, your in-mail box and you've got 50 new emails and your heart sinks. You need to keep that well-being. You need to make sure that um, you eat well. Um, I have to admit that, um, yeah, I... I'm hardly drinking at all just now, but the chocolate seems to go down a bit. You know, a bar of chocolate doesn't last an awful long time, but um, it is about getting that lovely balance. Get out in the fresh air. Make sure you make time for yourself. And I would say you have to take a day off a week, even when you're starting out in business. Turn off the phone. Turn it. Don't answer. Don't open your laptop. Get out in the fresh air with your dog, with your animals, whatever, and just give yourself that break. Early to bed, early to rise, good sleep. And that's it. It's like, yeah, it's just keep yourselves healthy. Absolutely. Zika Ziggler once said, you can get everything in life you want if you just help enough people to get what they want. Rosie, you've epitomized this in both education and now in business, empowering women to be the best they can be. It is truly an honour to have you on the show. If any of the listeners are interested in finding out more, where's the best place to find you online? Right. Well, you can find me. <laughs> I've just told you how old I am. The best thing to do is give me a call. <laughs> so my, my phone number is 01330-850-325. Or you can, and, of course, that's for the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can email me on um, Rosie, R-O-S-E-E, dot elliot e-l-l-i-o-t-t at house of color all one word dot co dot uk or you can find me on facebook um which is facebook.com forward slash and it's h-o-c for house of color h-o-c aberdeenshire and if you just um put in rosie elliot in linkedin you'll find me on there as well and you can see me deadlifting my 55 kilos <laughs> I have to look at that. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honour. And there's been so many pearls of wisdom that you've given. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, Christine. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. We'd love to connect with you at te.media.